0: Welcome to Women on the Verge of a Financial Breakthrough, a podcast where we're figuring out finance one dumb question at a time. I'm the
1: dummy, Caitlin Meredith, a coach and mediator based in the Bay Area. And I'm Sarah Glacus. I'm an investor, advisor, and founder of Black Barn Financial and the Austin Women's Investing Group, which can be found on Meetup and Facebook. Hey, before we start... Just wanted to remind everyone that you can connect with us on
0: Instagram at Women on the Verge Podcast or Facebook and LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you and please share with your friends. Thanks. Today we're welcoming back pod favorite Casey Schwartz from Blackburn Financial. Back for more to talk about one of the most boring financial topics I can think of. Do you guys agree? Absolutely.
1: This is probably it. (laughs) But it's
0: so important. And I have a couple of stories of friend stories about why it is. But anyway, spoiler alert, insurance. Just the worst. It's like bad all around because A, it's expensive. B, you have no idea which fucking one to get. C... The best case scenario is you never need it, so you're paying all this money for something you're never actually going to get the benefit of, so it's very hard. But of course, that worst case scenario is what we're doing it for, right? And sometimes legally, like for my car loan, I had to have it. So Casey's going to tell us what a normal person needs to think about in terms of insurance, right, Casey? Is that a fair description? Yes, that's exactly what I'm here for. (laughs) Phew. Okay, and Casey, why – I'm just curious, like, I totally believe you, but one of the problems Sarah and I had doing an episode on insurance is because the people that know the most about insurance sell insurance. And so, Mm -hmm. of course, they think you should get the kind of insurance that – so it's been really hard for us to even think of somebody who can talk about it in, like, a – an unbiased way. And I have friends that are insurance salespeople and they are fine people that are really looking out for the best. But I also think they, they see the worst case scenario often. And so they're a little biased by not just their financial incentive to sell you something, but they hear the horror stories all the time. And so they're influenced by that. So I'm curious what this, again, I'm coming off as hostile, but like, Casey, tell me about how you've learned about insurance And why you feel like you've been able to advise your clients about like what makes sense for them not being an insurance professional.
2: Yeah. The starting point for me on insurance is like almost the dictionary word of what is insurance, right? Well, it's risk mitigation or risk management. And so therefore, it is a service that I personally am willing to pay for. And I advise folks to pay for it as well so that they can cross off the worst case scenarios, knock on wood. P.S. All of this is like, it's hard to talk about because it does make me feel very like superstitious. So,
1: oh. <laughs> so oh like, if you're a little bit, if you're a little
2: bit woo woo about any of this, like just keep your wood nearby because yep. we're all.
1: <laughs> Everybody like their sage. Like, light I
2: it. know. Yeah. We're all tiptoeing past the graveyard here. But the point is that like by having all of these different fail safes in place, my goal is to help people feel more empowered to take on risk in other places Ah. or to be more assertive and more aggressive in their career, in their goal for financial independence, in their investments in general, in real estate, like whatever they're up to. If we can cross off something that's as, like, boring and plain vanilla as, did you buy an umbrella policy? Yeah. Then, yeah. like, you know, sky's the limit, right? Okay.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So that if you shore up your, just like having an emergency savings account, all that, then you free up your creativity and your ambition to do take other risks that can make you more money down the line. You're investing in your financial future because you don't have to worry as much about like that worst case scenario and where will the money come to cover me and that or my family during that. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And like a really basic analogy would be if you are riding uh, your bicycle, if like your big commitment is I'm going to ride my bicycle to work this year, I'm going to learn how to really do that. Well, it would be prudent to take one of those classes where you learn how to change the tires and like carry an extra tube with you because if that all falls apart, you're Ubering, right? So my point being that by having just like these basics in place and when I talk about insurance, again, I do not sell insurance. So I am not like the world's most authoritative on the extremely niche cases where some fancy doodle policy really worked. I like a bread and butter approach to insurance. So to me, like just having some basics in place gives you that that confidence hopefully.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're after. Like obviously if people have really specific coin collections or high-end hairless cats or something like that, like that's going to be a very different like niche thing as you're saying. But like the normal person and I also think like over the arc of our lives We have different insurance needs and we're not like interrupted when we're turning 40 and been like, hey, now you should think about this kind of insurance. And so it's like they all just kind of loom up there. Which ones am I supposed to have and when? And so the time of life, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're married, if you're not married, all that stuff Mm -hmm. makes it easy just to be a conversation we want to avoid. And that saves us money in the short time anyway. So we have a lot of incentive to not think about it. So you're here to be the grown up in the room. To tell mm. us, <laughs> what happy we to do should it. Be doing okay, Sarah. Do you have yeah. any preamble you wanted to talk about insurance? Does it come up with your clients? What insurance?
1: Yeah, all the time. And and like Casey, I like to talk about things I understand, right? So when talking about you know, life insurance, like okay, well, what happens to your family if you die or if your spouse dies, right? Yeah. What happens um, kind of in these worst case scenarios? That idea of A simple insurance policy that answers that question very succinctly, I think, is where Casey and I both start from. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, let her rip, Casey. I'm just, I'm already feeling anxious that you're gonna give me information that's like, sounds great on this episode. And then I would actually talk to an insurance person and they're like, but you should really get this add on. And did you know that 40% of the people that don't, like I'm already feel like I'm getting upsold, not by you, but like in the future. So having a grounding (laughs) in what's actually important so I can keep my eyes on the prize when I'm like actually pursuing Suing it is yeah, my motivation here. So this make believe salesman doesn't really <laughs> yes. rip you off. Yes. Great,
2: <laughs> that's a lot of pressure for me, Caitlin. Thank you. Uh, okay, so yeah, so the starting point, I will just start with something that probably everybody already knows, but you know, Sarah and I are Blackburn Financial. We are fee only fiduciary financial planners and investment managers. We don't sell insurance. We don't sell annuities. We don't sell any of those things. So we should be in a perfect world, because we are fiduciary level advisors, we should be able to give advice to people that is completely agnostic as to which types of insurance and what brand of insurance and all of that kind of information. But the most important thing to me about insurance is who depends on that income stream or who is, who is hurt? if you don't have this insurance, or who benefits if you do have this insurance, right? And this comes back to that time of life conversation, Caitlin, that you were kind of talking about. So for example, if you are a 23-year-old worker who works at a W-2 style paycheck kind of job with no kids, renting an apartment, you know, no dependents, right? What kind of insurance would that person need? Well, you probably don't need life insurance because no one is depending on your income if you passed away. Yeah, okay. Do you need disability insurance? You're twenty three years old. God forbid you are injured at twenty five and you can never work again and you're you're reliant on the social security disability insurance. Your life is extremely different than it would have been if you had continued to earn income. Right. Right. So that is like where those different streams of insurance work into conversations. Um, And then like long term care insurance. These are like, to me, the main ones for a person rather than for property casualty. So those like three different things are kind of different times of life, right? And long-term care insurance is essentially the idea that you're going to pay a premium and in exchange for that annual fee, the insurance company is going to have your back if you ever need home assistance. And I believe it's something like two out of six of the activities for daily living. There's these there's these really well-defined activities, basically like dressing yourself, feeding yourself, going to the restroom, et cetera, et cetera, that uh, those are the metrics that they use to say, if you can't meet Uh, these, then you qualify, right? Okay. So you might still live at home and you can get some help. You can get somebody to come in and help you. Or you may be in a situation where you are moving into a facility um, and you may even be in a situation where you're no longer cognizant, right? right? And someone else is making all those decisions for you. Which is, you know, not fun to look at. Which is why we're all knocking on wood again. Knock, knock, knock.
0: Like that, <laughs> I, you're never gonna grow old. I don't know that wood is gonna. No, girl,
2: I'm never gonna grow old. I am gonna be this level of like 42 year old healthy, which, by the way, is not like super healthy. It's just like gets the job done healthy until I quietly pass away at 86 years old in
0: your sleep. All yeah, all your either... abilities intact. <sighs>
2: Absolutely. Either asleep or like, I never saw it coming when, you know, whatever happens, happens.
0: Okay. That's the goal. That's the goal. Perfect. I, okay. Or wait, let Tell me which one you want to talk about first, because I have a lot of problems with each of those categories. I know, right? <laughs>
2: so let's just kind of take it chronologically. Okay. Like, let's say you are a person who doesn't have sh- dependents. You don't have children yes. or, or, or a spouse, okay. right? Or or those people are financially independent. They don't need your income. Then for a lot of people, like you may not need personal insurance life other insurance. than like life insurance or disability insurance or long term care insurance because those things may not be coming up for you. Long term care insurance also, and again, insurance agents might have like a varying opinion on how young you should get that. Right. But a lot of them I wouldn't recommend getting that kind of insurance at a young age unless you have known issues in your family or you have genetic testing that shows you're at risk because like that's a lot of money to be spending when those actuarial results say that it's not likely to occur until after 60, 70, 80. Like, you don't want to spend 30 years paying that premium.
0: Right. Well, and I, but here's what I imagine in my imaginary conflict with an insurance salesperson on this matter is just like with dog insurance or pet insurance, like if you get it when the thing is a puppy, it's cheap-ish. And if you mm-hmm. try to get it when they're three or four, it's much more expensive monthly fee. And so mm-hmm. the incentive then, it sounds cheaper to start earlier- because like, oh, that's only 35 bucks a month. And if I start later, it could be 70 or even more a month. But like, that's when I just feel overwhelmed. Like, so which one is right? Do you start with the cheaper one or you wait till later, but then you're paying even more?
2: Yeah, exactly. But also there's an element of how much can you personally afford to pay for? So if it's a dog situation, and and uh, I never expected to learn how the doggy ophthalmologist works, but I did, <laughs> and I spent more than a thousand dollars on it. Not not thrilled that I learned that lesson, but you know, like if you have a certain breaking point with your pet, you know, okay, am I going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on my dog, or am I going to spend like uh, less? And, like, that might be subjective to your own income, your own stage of life, how committed you are to Leonard Cohen Swartz, the sweetest little puppy in, who's asleep in front of me. Can he, um, can he
0: still do night driving or is that off the table? Oh, yeah, that's been off the table
2: for a while for poor little, poor little Leonard Cohen Swartz.
0: Um, at this point, he's, like,
2: lucky to, to be able to, like, find his way through the doggy door. But you know, those are the kind of things that, that translate into your insurance needs. Can you afford to self pay? Yeah. So for example, you know, in a situation where there's a two person household and one person has a baller job and the other person has a normal income level job, does the normal income level person need as much life insurance? Probably not because you know, the, the one with a big salary is probably going to be okay yeah. if the other person's passed on or, you know, variations on that same thing, right? The same thing with your disability insurance. If you have coverage through work and most people who work at a big companies, they do. So you might have 60% of your base salary as your disability insurance at work. Okay. But you're in tech sales. And your base salary is $2,000 a month and your your actual compensation is coming from your huge
0: commission commission from work. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So now you're going to get 60% of that base salary after a 90 day exclusion. So like, is that really going to make your ends meet plus the new medical expenses you have now? Probably not. Right. So you probably need to add on to that. That's why it's very subjective and it's very personal. It's all very tailored to the individual. But the main things are like, where can you find the savings? What do you actually need at this life stage? And at what age should you do the metric, like the decision tree of should I get more? And also, you know, there there are insurance brokers out there that you can, Reach out to them, and they can just give you the facts, and you can do a lot of online quotes as well just to get the facts like what's an yeah. estimate? How right. much could this cost without actually applying all the way for insurance?
1: okay well, case, can I ask, ask a follow up question uh, mm-hmm. so on life insurance specifically, right because mm-hmm. I think that yes, like the point is well taken that everybody's situation is different, but let's um. If you're talking to someone and trying to rule of thumb it, like if you had to mm-hmm. choose a rule of thumb, where do you think people should start? Like as the a good an estimate for maybe how much, like on a term life insurance policy you what would does want. That mean? Do you what have does a rule term of thumb?
0: Life insurance mean.
1: And can you define term life insurance? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, yeah.
2: So this is one of those those things that comes up, right? Life insurance, in my opinion, is risk mitigation, risk management. So therefore, my favorite type of life insurance is term life insurance, because the word term means how many years is it good for without changing the premium, not changing the benefits necessarily, changing the amount that you're paying. So, for example, Um, A few years ago, before we had kids, my husband and I got life insurance, and we chose a 20-year term, which means for the 20 years from the day that we got the policy, we knew that the premiums were set. So I have to pay $600 a year. He has to pay $700 a year for the next 20 years. And if we die, it's a very simple transaction. Transamerica is going to pay my estate or my named beneficiary in my documents the face value of my policy okay so in our situation i have five hundred thousand dollars of coverage and he has seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of coverage because when we got the underwriting back like the medical information mr superhuman marathon man like literally he runs marathons um was like he was quoted as extra super healthy okay which meant that his insurance was cheaper so he got more for the amount that we had personally as a family budgeted okay and i miss sedentary desk job chubby lady i was like thank you for insuring me i am thrilled i will take it
0: (laughs) honor and a privilege (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes exactly um they do i mean they have these different levels of ratings right and okay. what they are judging is they, like it's absolutely fascinating from a sociological standpoint like the sample set how many 35 year old chubby ladies died
0: within the 20 year oh frame this is like right? an actuarial this is what they mean this when is they the, actuary the actuary does okay. yeah
2: this is the science, the actuarial science. It's so interesting. I absolutely love it. Like I want to get actuarial
0: scientists drunk and ask them questions. I only know about it from that um, movie with Ben Stiller and Jennifer or Jennifer Aniston. He was an what? Along Came Polly. He was an actuary, a very risk averse <laughs> actuary.
2: Well, Fight Club isn't Edward Norton uh, an insurance? Oh, analyst yeah, of some sort so that, that runs the, um, actuary numbers. Yeah, but we can't talk about it.
0: We can't talk about it.
2: Outside no, of we, club. Won't.
0: <laughs> we won't. That is the first rule. Don't
2: delete, but the <laughs> pretend it never happened, but back to, you know, just like the life insurance itself, yes. I know, and I've got a clock ticking. Right. And so we bought those policies because we were trying to have kids, Turns out it's really hard for chubby 35-year-olds to have kids. We didn't have kids for like three or four years. And I was like, shit, we better have kids or else my policy is going to run out before they get to college. <laughs> because you, know?
0: you timed it so that if one of you were to die in the next 20 years, that would be the hardest time for the other spouse to compensate for that missing income and still raise the kids and be in a house, etc. That's
2: exactly it. Yeah. Okay. If only one of us is working, can we pay the mortgage? Can we pay the child care? Can we pay for, you know, whoever is doing the work of that second parent in our situation? Right. Right. And so that's why we bought the policies. And that's why they're, you know, again, in the subjective level of how much insurance people have, we have pretty cheap policies because we just wanted to get rid of the mortgage. I gotcha. Okay. We figured that the other person could work and could pay for everything else. But we were both like, the deal breaker would be the mortgage. Okay. So that's that's that was our mental like math on that. I,
0: I have to say um a friend of mine, a good friend from childhood, she has three children and she and her husband were young and healthy, but their third child had special needs and they were going on their 10 year wedding anniversary to Paris, first time they had been away from all three kids and their child most will need lifetime care. And so they had put their the the sort of Guardians for all three children were my friends, one of my friend's brothers. And so they knew that they, if that were to happen, if they were to die, that the person taking on the care, it'd be a lifelong financial expense and investment in lifelong care for them. So they decided before getting on the plane to max the life insurance policy for her husband, who was the 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 larger breadwinner. And they went to Paris, had a great time, came back, and just sort of forgot to undo it, to, like, put it down. And a year later, he died unexpectedly, healthy, playing pickup basketball. But she was that. So they had envisioned it as the, her brother as the recipient, the beneficiary of it, but now it's been her, and it has allowed her to do that, to stay in the house, to... Have a life with her three kids um, that compensated for it. And so it, you know, I had heard about life insurance my whole life and just been like, oh my God, <laughs> just like can barely keep my eyes open for the whole two word phrase. And after hearing that story, and she t- she said, like, the week after all of her neighbors went to her insurance agent, were like, Up, You know, let's 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 do this seriously now. Um, So it really opened my eyes, especially since so many women take on child rearing responsibilities when their kids are little. Our incomes are not the same as our spouses. In many cases, it's different for everybody. And that that loss like plummets them into uncharted territory where like they have to leave their house soon and the kids lives are and theirs are, you know in addition to mourning and grieving this terrible loss have like a financial burden that is beyond what one person who has been in the primarily in this case, my friend is a nurse practitioner, so she was working too. But her, her income was nothing to compared to her husband, who was a lawyer. Anyway, so it really drove it home. So after that, I was, like, calling all my friends, especially with multiple kids, being like, this isn't optional. Like, this is really. It's
2: Yeah. How many times have you gone into the convenience store and you see those jars, like the old pickle jar that somebody's put pictures of the loved one? on the outside and it says, please contribute to this person who passed away and didn't leave any life insurance. Yeah. And yeah, and then their their family is having the worst experience of their lives because their loved one is gone, plus their income is gone. Right? Yeah. So I totally agree. And I think that's such a good point too about the women who sometimes and again I'm I'm kind of generalizing, but It is a generalization that women give up our careers to raise families. Statistically,
0: more likely, the pandemic really reinforced those trends.
2: Yeah. So let's say that in your situation, kind of like what, what I'm describing with myself, where I had the smaller policy, let's say I had taken those years off with the kids. Five or six years later, I get back into work. I'm killing it. My income's huge. I never reset that policy. But of course, we've had lifestyle creep, right? Right. So, I think you have a really good point there about revisiting the life insurance as your income significantly changes and, and um, your lifestyle
0: changes. So, you have a nicer house with a bigger mortgage. You have-
2: everybody's does. I mean, look at what inflation yes. has done in the last couple of years, right? Yeah. yeah. I saw a TikTok or a, a meme or something where somebody was talking about she knew that diapers were expensive. She knew college was expensive. And then she like drops her receipt. She's like, I did not know that berries were going to be the thing that rips me. Oh my
0: God. I remember I used to get organic blueberries and my daughter would poop them out whole. And I'd be like, well, let's give it another try. This was super expensive. (laughs) I fed my children two boxes of
2: raspberries this morning and I resented every morsel (laughs) <laughs> because I
0: was like, you little hyenas are eating so Gold. much money. Gold. Okay. But there's this other piece of it too, which is I think that a lot of couples, they have kids and getting like a will and estate plan is like on the list forever. We should do that. We're grown ups now. And life insurance gets paired with it. And they're really two different things. And it sounds like from what you're saying is like the life insurance, just do that today hem and haw about the will and estate plan. Okay. Like you should do that also, but like, don't bundle them because neither will get done and will be delayed a really long time. But if you're going to do one thing today, life insurance and that situation is like doable in a relatively quick amount of time and has, will have the biggest impact immediately after a death.
2: Yeah. And so let's like kind of walk through the logistics too, because I feel like the unknown unknowns are one of those things that, that, yeah. that puts a pause mm-hmm. in the plan. So let's say you want life insurance. Okay. And you're like, I'm just going to get a $500,000 policy. I'm going to get a million dollar policy. I'm going to get a $3 million policy, whatever. They'll insure you for whatever you think you need. But the short, the first step is you reach out to the insurance agent or the insurance broker And you say, I want this much coverage. And then they send you a a big fan application. You just fill it in. It's like going to the doctor's office. And then they put it through. And you have to be very honest about the medicines you take. Because they're going to check your medical records. And you fill out the paperwork. They run it through their their math. Then they send a nurse to your house. Who takes your blood and checks your weight and your blood pressure. And then after that underwriting is done, boom, you've got a policy. Like, it shouldn't be rocket science. It's not okay. that bad. Yeah. Okay. And, like, all of the things. My sister was like, I don't want to get life insurance because I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And I was like, oh. babe, come on. Are you going to die without life insurance because you wouldn't lose the last 20 pounds? Can I have someone give you the... Um, the estimate before you go through underwriting to tell you the price difference at you know weight a weight b minus 20 pounds like it's not gonna be different yeah. it's not different
0: well and it's like waiting to get new pants until you know like new clothes or whatever yeah, until until that your then. entire
2: family's <laughs> screwed for the rest of their lives yes, because you didn't exactly. buy new pants yes <laughs>
0: yeah um okay but let's walk through a little bit about the math you said like you can do it for as much as you want it sounds like with you and your husband you figured out how much is the mortgage you know how much would paying off the mortgage so that was a very set financial target we know with between five to seven hundred thousand dollars we could pay off the mortgage and that's the that's the math assignment for figuring like because i can imagine just throwing up my hand i don't know how much i
1: need we were a little bit Different on that, where like my rule of thumb is something like 10 years of income.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. This comes back to the time value of money. And I was going to say, Sarah, I'm sure you've talked about it many a time on the podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also, Caitlin, the other things you were saying about like estate planning and guardianship and whatever, like this is a bit of a commercial for having a fee only advisor. Is that you have somebody you can trust to be a fiduciary, to be in your corner, who's going to shepherd you through yeah,
1: these things that are, ur-
2: yeah, they're important, but they're not urgent. Yes. I mean, it's like, do you need life insurance or do you need guardianship for your minor child? Because if right. you don't have minor, if you don't have guardianship for that minor child, is the family going to go nuts about who is raising that child? But like life insurance actually might be more important. You might be right because. Yeah. If one of you passes away, well, then the whole family is out of luck, right? Right. And those are
0: things that happen right away. Not being able to make a mortgage payment in two months mm -hmm. is a big deal. Um, It's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, Sarah, you did your calculation based on income. So, like, whoever the person who was potentially Mm -hmm. dead, what would their income have been for the next 10 years? X times 10. And that's how much we want to get. Mm-hmm. um when you get a life insurance payout is that taxable income
1: no it's tax-free if they just cut you a check for the death benefit Whoa.
0: so that's like
2: yeah as long as you paid for it with after-tax money
1: which, which is what did. yeah which is what we're talking about here okay. like your, your yeah. personal right. life insurance policy you pay for yeah. out of you're not getting a tax
0: break for it in real real time when you're paying it. Oh my God. But that's even a bigger endorsement for finding a fee only advisor now, because you imagine you're in like the fog of grief. You have kids, you're managing everything else. And then you get this like quote unquote windfall. Mm. Like it goes in, you're checking, like you are the least capable point to make such big financial decisions to stop someone who you already know to be like, can you just hold this for a second till I can make some decisions about it?
2: And the grief counselors all say like, don't make major decisions. Exactly. Year. Right? And here's $10 million. <laughs> yeah. You got to pay the bills. And, and right. yeah, like, like Sarah was saying, is it 10 years of income? It depends on how old you are. How yeah. many years were you going to work? And so you do that time value of money calculation to say, what is the lost pool of income that we need to replicate with this this windfall between now and like the 20-year mark on a 20-year policy for example does it or does it not include college expenses does it or does it not include paying off the mortgage like i don't you shouldn't pay off the mortgage if you've got a two percent rate but you know nowadays these these interest rates are six or seven percent Maybe you would. Like, there's so many variables. It it definitely lends itself to having a wingman because it's complicated and it's extremely personal.
0: Well, and the other constraint is how much can you afford each month right now? Like, so, you know, you want $10 million, but if really in order to meet your other financial goals for retirement, for your emergency savings, like you really only have 600 a year or whatever to give to it, then you have to start there. And for a lot of people that are, you know, in the middle class, like that is the point. It doesn't matter how, you know, the, the fantasy of the, you know, getting all this money, then how much can we actually afford to pay into it right now without sacrificing our other also important goals if we don't die early. Yeah, and that's another
2: reason that we're talking so much about term insurance, first of all. Mm. First of all, I like it best uh, uh, out of the the major types of insurance because it is simple and it's transactional, but also it's super cheap. Like, you can get, if you're a 28-year-old parent, like, you can get a million dollars coverage pretty cheap, like, maybe 400 bucks a year. It's not wow. bad. Yeah. You know, we talk about this 10 million policy, but you also can be overinsured, like, were you going to earn 10 million over yeah. the rest of your as over the rest of your working years? Maybe, maybe not because you can't get insurance if you're not going to like actually have a reason for it. You can't just like take out huge insurance amounts as almost like a lottery. Right. You know, you, if you're like, Oh, I want to leave this gift for my wife. I'm going to over myself. Like you can't necessarily just take out like all of the insurance.
0: Okay. Okay. And what about for kids? Do people get insurance for their kids? They do. Sarah, do you have thoughts? Do you have opinions?
1: Um, I do not have insurance on my children's lives. I've heard like a couple arguments for it that didn't seem like in our situation to be super compelling, like one is like to pay for funeral expenses in a worst case scenario. We wouldn't need that, but I could see like maybe in some families, it would be difficult mm. to come up with the fifteen or twenty thousand dollars you'd want to spend on a um a funeral. Another one I've heard is if you get a a permanent uh, life insurance policy, like a whole life or a universal life policy. Just
0: listeners, Casey is nodding her head, no, 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 vigorously, but silently. <laughs>
1: I yeah, yeah, that that you can um. I don't know that you can have a policy in place in case the child is ultimately diagnosed with something that makes them uninsurable in the future. This is what I have that my parents got a whole life policy or a universal life policy for me when I was eight years old. And it has some sort of cash benefit and or some sort of cash balance that has accumulated. I'm almost 44 years old now. And um, it has, I think, a $50,000 death benefit. But it, the premium is like $400 a year for a $50,000 death benefit. And mm-hmm. I mean, and just to put how, that in context. How many
2: years? How many years are financial s- advisor? S- since I was eight, right? So uh-huh. eight.
0: 44 uh-huh. minus eight <laughs> times 400. They've paid $14,000 so far.
1: Well, they paid it until I turned 18. And then I became the owner. And then I paid it for a little bit until I was like, this is nuts. I'm not doing this anymore. And since Uh -uh. then, the cash, I've just let it, it just keeps rolling over. And it's like the cash balance is now being used to pay the premium. Because, Mm -hmm. Casey, because I'm superstitious, I'm afraid that if I cancel this policy, I'm going to die. Yeah, it's, oh, I totally hear you. Which is completely Absolutely. insane. And this isn't the best financial decision I've ever made. Yeah, but it's but not the one that's going to, like, you know, And it has made me, out of your kid's mouth. Right. It has made me biased against universal life policies for children. Um, but anyway, so so, like, for the policies for kids, those are, like, the, the two arguments I've heard for having policies for children. But we do not personally have life insurance policies on our children's lives
0: but isn't on the face of it let's just say they were still paying okay i just did the math i'm gonna do it again you said it's okay 44 minus 8 36 it's
1: 417 dollars per per year
0: oh i want to get the 417 it's just it's not the same without that okay times 417 okay financial gurus your parents were spending will have spent, you know, if you died tomorrow, knock on what everybody not fifteen thousand dollars to get your family thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Is that yeah. a good financial deal? Like what <laughs> if they had put that money in an index fund? I, yeah, I mean,
2: exactly. Exactly. Caitlin. I mean, exactly, oh, honestly, Caitlin.
0: I feel like you're
2: overqualified for this podcast now. <laughs> yes, that is exactly the math. Yeah. So that's why I I have sour face when it comes to these permanent policies, because they are supposed to be providing risk management. But when you add in the pot of gold that is the investment element, they feel tricky. And they're more expensive and you're paying for both the insurance and you're paying for the investments inside it. And if you can find me a regular civilian that can accurately explain their policy, I have not met that person yet. I will tell ever. you that ever. ever.
1: Wait, who's the civilian that no can explain? Like the person, <laughs> no the, the person with the policy who's bringing it yeah. in and saying Somebody who the who's salesperson, sold-
0: my imaginary salesperson that I'm fighting with already.
2: Yeah, so that sales let's pretend that salesperson sold you the policy, right? You bought the policy, and then a, a week later, I'm like, Caitlin, explain your policy to me. You oh, couldn't do it, yeah. I can't do it. Uh, I can't do the it. The
0: guy said mm-hmm. it was really good because later, if she gets sick and she can't work, then and then she wouldn't qualify for her own life insurance, she'll already have it, and then her future kids will get $60,000 if she dies. Yeah. (laughs) Which in today's economy would just be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like what? (laughs) (laughs) A year of daycare. All right. Saved. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it it seems like they are, they are the people like those are the types of policies that give the rest of us a lot of suspicion and skepticism about the insurance industry and then can like throw out all of it because it's like we think it's all a scam, which isn't yeah, you know, fair yeah. or practical.
1: There are there are new like fintech companies coming on the market all the time that allow you to apply for term life insurance on your phone. So like there there are a lot of ways now where you don't have to talk to an insurance person. <laughs> if you just want something super simple, right? You can do it. Yep what is, what are, now i'm trying to think of like what are some of the companies like um was lemonade doing it lemonade was doing it um rhino i can't remember if they're life insurance but if you just like googled like term life insurance policy now there are a bunch of because it's a commodity do you know what i okay. mean like it's like it's a commodity it's like buying a car right you're just like kind of looking for the the cheapest premium like with the most financially secure insurer because you certainly want to make sure the insurance company doesn't fail no
0: no fly by night yeah no
1: i mean so like Mm -mm. if you're you know if you're trying to compare like trans america and oh what are some other ones
2: the general like yeah (laughs) you want to go with trans america (laughs) right you want you want guardian you want trans america you want a name that you've seen yeah so like you want something that's getting those high ratings from the rating agencies and they are all very thrilled to tell you, hey, our best rating, and that's the name of the company, AM Best. Our best rating is like five stars or ten golden apples or whatever it's supposed to be. I don't
1: remember, <laughs> but like they get rated. Okay. Okay. But I think the point, Caitlin, is like you know, if you were like, okay, I I need to get a five hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy, you could pull out your phone right now, Google it. Download an app, do an application, and get a quote right away without having to talk to someone. You'll p- ultimately probably need to talk to someone at the company. Yeah, but, yeah, you will.
0: Yeah, and so but, my fears of being upsold by a hum- very persuasive home uh, salesperson are overdone. If I can just do all of this on an app, and uh, so I can like sh- hedge against that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think this like a lot of it. And for me, Casey, too, this also kind of falls into the realm of like, get a life insurance policy and then reprice it next year. If you don't like it or you think you could do better, just like get your feet under you, get something in place like you can always reprice. Something. Yeah. And you can reprice it. You can
2: add to it. You can own more than one policy. I hate these so episodes
1: you...
0: where it's like there's no excuse for not doing this really responsible, <laughs> I know. simple financial task. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one. Caitlin,
2: this is how capitalism works, right? Like the, the corporate overlords know that the millennials don't want to talk to people on a phone. Yeah. So they have made it easier and easier and easier.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's another question for you. So I'm a solo parent and I have a house, and I think of an eight-year-old, I think if I died, knock on all the woods and everything, my estate will take care of my, just because of owning a home in Austin. Like, you know that, so I'm not, and also my parents are still alive. Like she'll basically take my place in an inheritance plan at whatever date that might happen. So for me, life insurance seems less Urgent than disability insurance because the bigger problem for everybody is if I survive and I need a lot of help and care. Boom. Yep. Love it.
2: Yep. Thank you for teeing that one up because, yes, everybody thinks about life insurance and it is extremely simple, like we just discussed. The reason that disability insurance is more expensive is because it's much more likely, and you are more expensive if you right. are disabled. So this goes back to what is the easiest thing? Number one, look at your benefits at work. Please opt in on your Free, long Freelance, visibility. unpaid podcast co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yes. check our group policy.
0: <laughs> Let's see what Sarah and I put on the napkin at the restaurant.
2: <laughs> I know, exactly. Check the napkin. But if you are at a small business or a solo or freelancer, what are your affinity groups? Who's your college alumni group? Like, there are places out there that you can you can be part of a group plan that
1: is going to bring down that cost. I forced Sarah to get long-term disability. Yeah, Casey, yeah. Casey did force me. She hounded me weekly until I... Mm-hmm actually filled out the application. And we ended up getting it through Casey's, what was it, NAPFA? No, it was the FPA. Financial financial... Planning Association. So she's a member. And because Mm -hmm. she's now a partner at Blackburn Financial, we all got access to the FPA short-term disability policy, which was awesome. And she she made us all do it. Okay. So I I found that for another client, he is a
2: builder. Like, he's a one-man company. There is a, a Texas Builders Association that he's already a member of. So yeah, uh, again, like I say, your alumni group, they're always sending you postcards yeah, about cruises I, with old people. Exactly, well, and
1: asking for look donations. Into, <laughs> look okay. into what
2: they offer for disability policies too. Any affinity group you, you might be in. Yeah, there's a co-op, there's a union, anything. Yeah. So find Find a group because it's gonna save you some money, right? If you have an individual disability policy, it's portable which means it's not tied to that particular job or that particular association, which is good. But they're going to be a little more expensive because you are the only person in the pool, right? Right, right. So it's like if there's no one else to pay the premiums, if you are disabled and you stop paying premiums and start taking benefits. So that's why it's a little more expensive. And the benefits are really great.
0: But in doing the calculations, do you have to do the same kind of math? Whereas like if I can only work one day a week or if I can't work at all or like that seems really hard to. There's so many more uh, dying. We get it. Zero, (laughs) zero contribution. It seems much trickier with disability. Oh, it's so awful,
2: and and the only good thing is that you're not coming from your income, you're coming from your expenses. Mm, okay. So if you know, like, let's say you made five hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're only living on a hundred thousand because you're so amazing at saving, well, you need to replace the hundred thousand. Okay. Not necessarily the whole five hundred.
0: Okay. How much okay. is it going to take to keep this whole thing afloat? Mm-hmm. Plus medical expenses in home care yeah. or whatever it might look like yeah and then when you look at those long-term disability policies
2: if you're getting it on your own at least they're going to be will we pay you if you can't do any job versus we will pay if you can't do your specific job and that one is more tailored to like okay let's say i was a surgeon and I have to stand to do surgeries. But now I'm paralyzed and I can't stand anymore. Yeah. But I could still work. I could still do a computer job. I could be a financial planner. Mm-hmm. So those are like some of the categories that will change the amount of um, expenses or the okay. premiums that you're going to pay on the policies.
0: Okay. And in terms, of, are those term also? Is that your lifetime? Is it just your working life? Like how do you think about how long you're going to need it
2: yeah it's your working life uh and and there's probably like if you are within so many years of retirement and you have a nice nest egg behind you you can probably quit paying that right okay but it's just like one of those things as long as you're paying the premium like your car insurance it's going to be in place so if you quit paying it won't be in place anymore
0: and you can never get that money what if you do your whole 20 years paying in that life insurance and then it expires, like, congratulations. You we never needed to pay this out, but that money is theirs. So there's no like rollover into something, like it's gone.
2: There are some complicated policies where it can roll into a long-term care policy, but it's you have to think about it more as the risk mitigation. Like if you're paying your homeowners insurance. Are you mad that you've never had a fire that burned your house to the ground? No. no, Right? No, no, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have separate policies just because then I feel like they're easier to understand. You said that many uh, corporate jobs or like real non-freelance jobs your workplace might offer some form of disability now if you are a salesperson or someone who works on commission so your base salary like that would not actually that would be a drop in the bucket of what you'd actually need you can subsidize supplement yeah you can supplement your insurance disability insurance with other policies
2: yeah and that makes it so much cheaper out of pocket so first of all, your your long- term disability policy through work is probably gonna be fairly cheap, right? It's maybe like 40 or 50 bucks a, a paycheck at most, right? Okay. Because there's a big pool of people. Everybody else is gonna be paying the premiums even if you become a bene- if you, even if you take benefits. okay. Um, but on a, as a person, you reduce like back in my hundred thousand dollar spending, you reduce that pool of needed, coverage by whatever your work policy will cover and then you supplement it with your own personal policy. Okay. And that's going to make it cheaper. Right.
0: So they don't say like, oh, you already had insurance. So like this is invalid. That's not a thing. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Okay,
2: No. Okay. And I talk about long-term disability because it's the one that like, like you say, it's your whole working life. It's from the day you Um, were disabled and then have met the 90 day like waiting period to age 65 in most cases. Okay.
1: Okay.
2: Everybody may have noticed you usually have automatic short-term disability on your corporate job benefits, short-term disability. Like I can barely think of anything that that actually covers other than being pregnant. Like a lot of companies, you have to use your short-term disability for the first half of maternity or paternity leave but like that's that's the only thing that comes to mind of when short term disability works there's probably other ones that I I'm not thinking of but like it's not something that I would recommend you buy your own policy
0: oh I see that like it doesn't cover enough to invest outside of your workplace in a Mm -hmm. a supplemental Mm -hmm. policy okay
2: no it's a it's a 90 day policy like don't don't waste your I don't I don't know where you would even get it like Aflac maybe I I have no idea
0: (laughs) Um, OK, earlier you mentioned personal umbrella policies and mm, 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 Ooh, the best, the, the best
2: <laughs> umbrella policies for
0: everybody. <laughs> OK, so that's the policy that spans all life stages. All oh, my God. Situations. Yes.
2: Yes, 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 yes. Okay, An umbrella why? policy is through your property casualty company, first of all.
0: So do okay. you have to own a house to get it? no okay perfect so you can be a renter you can be a renter so let's say you're a renter
2: but you have a real estate empire okay you have Mm -hmm. all of these rental houses full of tenants who may or may not slip and fall
0: okay
2: may or may not have like unruly dogs you don't know
0: Okay, your
2: umbrella policy is above and beyond the coverage you have for like named Concerns, the umbrella says, I could, uh, Transamerica or, uh, I've forgotten all insurance companies now, farmers, all
1: state, whoever,
2: all state, all
1: state farm, state farm, state
2: farm, Farm. geico, whoever. They're like, we're gonna throw USAA. (laughs) Thank you for all of these names. I do appreciate it because I (laughs) feel like we're looking for sponsors. Family feud, I really would have been like the big X because I was like, uh, (laughs) Um, but they are saying we're willing to throw another million or 2 million on the pile. Like she's never going to need this. The the situations, the situations where this actually happens barely ever. Sure. Sure. We'll give you 2 million. Because, like, and for the listener, those were some very loud the air, air quotes. quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, like, it's never gonna happen. So that's why they're willing to do it. It's so cheap. It's like renter's insurance, you guys. Yeah, everybody everybody who rents should have renter's insurance. I think mine, it's a law in Texas.
0: Mine is like $19 a month. Like, it's suspicious. I'm like, will you really cover? Like, what is that? My paperbacks in a flood? Like, <laughs> what are you actually covering? And then when I added personal umbrella policy, it was like dollars. It was really, it was I can't dollars. even notice. Yes, dollars. Yes. Dollars. I can't yes. notice the difference. I know, I know. I don't completely understand how I'll use it, but I know that I should have it. <laughs> like I get what you're saying is like my, I do own a house in Austin. So like if something happened to somebody at my house and my homeowners maxed out at a million mm-hmm. and they required 2 million of care or whatever to re reconstruct their entire body or whatever it was, my personal umbrella policy would supplement whatever whatever the max was for the original policy. That so you have to have an initial, the sort of base level policy that the mm-hmm. personal umbrella policy embellishes. Is that correct? yeah?
2: That's what the umbrella. The umbrella has to have something to go over. You're exactly right. I like see. Uh, from a from a visual analogy, yes, you have to have stuff under the umbrella for okay. sure. But yeah, and, and the problem is, like, I, I feel like this is one of those cocktail party anecdote things. Everybody knows somebody where it went horribly wrong and they needed that policy. And they may or okay. may not have had it, right? Okay. But like I know two different elderly women who had car wrecks, like, you know, a 20 mile an hour residential road car wreck, that the other person was absolutely destroyed. One person was paralyzed, one person oh my God. uh was killed in another story and, and in both situations, like there was, nobody was at major, major fault. It was just a fender bender type situation. And some, a a young person was paralyzed for the rest of their life or in another situation, you know, the, the, the person was, was killed and she was at fault because she ran a red light
0: okay and so, so like, if they had personal umbrella like it goes way above and beyond the normal kind of like max out that we have for our other policies and it's just yeah like, absolutely okay
2: yeah and it's it's exactly the kind of thing and i don't know enough about property and casualty to really be an expert but it's the kind of thing like if you have young drivers or you have a lot of drivers and you're looking at ways to reduce your car insurance Like maybe look at the umbrella policy in addition to just having coverage on some of your other types of insurance,
0: right? Are there other types of insurance? We as normal people, I mean, obviously car insurance, you've said like, we're not going to go over property, your homeowners, all that stuff. Like that's a separate conversation. Yeah. I
2: mean, of course you have to have car insurance. You have to have homeowners insurance. The only thing about homeowners insurance I would point out is to definitely you know keep your head on a swivel check in with whoever you're actually insured with shop around like like sarah was saying earlier you can get better rates you can get multi-card discount or whatever it is so definitely look into all of those things because it's very very easy for things to just inertia keeps us at a particular company Uh, and then you look at it and you're like oh my god the rates have gone up so much well, you call or you get on their website and you just mess
0: around with the coverage and see if you can save yourself some. Casey, do you have any opinion, Sarah? I'll take your answer as well. About,
1: <laughs> am I even oh. here on this on this episode? <laughs> you can just go get another drink. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: do you have any opinion about the relative? pros and cons of approaching insurance companies directly versus finding a broker that does all this work for you and that knows them all. Do you have any opinion about that?
2: Yeah, I do think that there's a lot of value in those brokers as long as you're willing to kind of sit through that process. Absolutely. They are the experts. I mean, I I truly believe that. And it's just like any other financial service. Like they should be very open with how they are compensated. They should be very open to you about why they chose this particular company over that company. What are the, like if you specifically said I want Jefferson life for my life insurance, but they come back to you with a guardian policy. Why? Okay. Oh, because they are only registered with that company and they didn't disclose that in the first place. Or, or they said, no, this one has a policy uh that is specific to people in your situation for whatever reason and this one's better than that one you know you want to know the reasoning behind these these different um recommendations from the
0: agents but yeah there's a reason that they get a cut a commission from whatever policies like that's just how it goes like that's not that's what yeah most of the time that's the
2: that's the only way they get paid yeah okay the,
0: so you're not commission. paying them for the consult but once you decide on one they'll get a commission on whichever one you choose okay it's just yeah. good knowing in. It. it doesn't mean mean you don't support them but you know unlike you guys that are fiduciaries that's fee only like they it is the industry norm for them to get a commission for what you buy from them absolutely yeah okay yeah
2: so, yeah, exactly. As fee-only and fiduciary advisors, we don't get commissions. We don't work that way. But, of course, we do get paid. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, we yeah. understand that they have to get paid, too. But I want to work with somebody who's not going to try and sugarcoat it or hide it. Like, that just that just gives you an icky
0: feeling. Right, right. No, and it's a good starting place to be like, how many insurance companies can I get through you? Like, how, So that question is, how Who are you registered with Mm -hmm. and why? And will you be able to give me some comparisons? Like if they're only registered with one, are they really going to give you information about the others that they're not, that might be a better deal for you? It wouldn't. Exactly. You have to do your own freaking research even with that. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just buyer beware. Like we all have to do our due diligence on these things. Absolutely. But that's where the internet is so handy.
0: The internet's Okay. So Casey, I know you mentioned long-term care and I feel like that's an entirely different conversation. So it's like important and we need to think about it, but might go beyond what we can talk about today. Is that accurate? Yeah,
2: I think that sounds about right. Because these other two, they have a larger life window, whereas long-term care is most of the time it's going to be for older people and you don't necessarily have the policies all at the same time. That the way you do with disability life insurance property and casualty you know okay so yeah so let's table that one
0: let's table it with the caveat that like is there a rule of thumb about what age it's going to depend on your family's medical history genetic whatever but like for quote unquote normal people whatever at what age are we supposed to think about? Let's just start there. So Sarah and I know how long we have before we do an episode on long-term care. Do, do we have well, and, and I'll, I'll take how Sarah's input on
2: this too. Yeah, exactly. How much better at all of this am I going to be when I have to come back and talk about long-term care? <laughs> um I, I would say that the absolute bare minimum again unless there's something going on with your family would be 50 at the very very earliest okay but most of the time i i see people g- actually like go through the work and get a policy closer to 60 65
0: is that a your experience too sarah with your clients
1: yeah i was gonna say 50 i mean there are cases where again like casey said if especially if Alzheimer's, and especially early onset Alzheimer's, runs in your family, and you ha- you get the genetic testing and you know you're predispositioned, you would probably start earlier. But if that's not the case, and it's just kind of a general worry that you have and want to try to mitigate that risk, then 50, 55 is probably when you start exploring options. OK, mm-hmm. so we'll
0: wait till Sarah and I get to that age. <laughs> just Perfect. kidding. We won't take it on now. But- one other thing you said towards the beginning was that oh, we've talked about this, like employers offer disability, like some version of disability insurance. Are there do employ as someone who's been freelance for a very long time? What else do you guys get that work in corporations? Oh my god, what are Caitlin, they you're offering? missing out on so many beautiful <laughs> benefits. Okay,
1: <laughs> dental, casual Friday,
0: happy hours, <laughs> <laughs>
1: free, free coffee.
2: Friday you get to work remotely one day a week really cold
0: (laughs) cold offices with fluorescent lighting Mm -hmm. all the
2: staples you can use yeah
0: (laughs) post-its
2: yeah free post-its so the biggest thing that i talk to people about like the biggest low-hanging fruit the big juicy apple if you have a corporate style job is workplace benefits i will frequently have meetings where during enrollment periods with my clients where the two of us are just paging through their benefits package, looking at all of the stuff that they can opt in on and choosing what should you opt in on? What should, what do you not need? What doesn't apply to you specifically? But yes, everybody should be taking advantage of all of the free stuff. First of all, that's step one, anything that's free, do it. Number two. Yeah. Okay. They're going to, they're going to charge you like fifth. 15 dollars a paycheck for your long-term care disability or long-term disability policy Mm, yes please i did have a client i had a client he was the only breadwinner in his family and he was an extremely high earner who had a bit of a puritan streak and so he opted out because it cost 15 dollars a paycheck and when i found that i was just like what do you think your family's gonna do if you're disabled what sir no fix this so, this is the kind of thing, like, put it on your, your calendar when your open enrollment is every year. Yeah. And they're short windows. Yeah. Those windows are short. Yeah. You say yeah like you know, but you haven't been there. I've
0: heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the emails about Covered California, like my my healthcare thing and they're always announcing that I'm not changing anything so I don't have to do anything about it but like by the time I really clock that the emails have been announcing that the window's closing it's like past. <laughs> so Amen. I get no. it yeah. yes
2: and that's what happens at the workplace too it'll be like hey our window opens October 1st it closed October 15th nobody noticed yep. and then next thing I know I'm getting a call on the 14th at 4 p.m. <laughs> oh my god we have to make benefit selections by tomorrow. Totally cool. I'll help you. But yeah, do everything free. Take advantage of the of the policies that are going to impact you and are affordable. But just look through your employer plan every year during enrollment and figure out what you want. Yeah. Because like there's a lot of good coverage in there. They do have pet insurance at a lot of the
0: the big tech companies now. Even City of like, Austin when I worked there started offering pet insurance. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So if well. you get the insurance policy through your work and then you either get laid off or you change jobs, does it convey or no? So it's while they're almo- you're They're employed. almost never portable. They're almost okay. never portable. Yeah. Okay. So take it while you can get it. Yeah. Um okay, but which means that when you if you're relying on a workplace policy and then you quit, you change jobs, part of that is really quickly getting a, a replacement insurance especially for life insurance or these others that you were yeah that's
2: on. why that long-term care or why do i keep saying that long-term disability and life insurance getting it on your own means that you're not subject to the whims of whatever job you're at right so you know you have that covered and that goes back to our very first point here which was these are building blocks these are risk mitigation this should give you the freedom to be more confident in changing jobs or to start working at a startup that may or may not pan out. I mean, they're not like risky, risky, but the things that could potentially throw a wrench in your finances.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Casey, one of the last things that I wanted to talk about in this, unless the two of you have something else we need to know is like, how does this affect our tax planning? Like is the money I'm paying for life insurance, like federal government doesn't care about that. Like
2: No, you don't get it. You don't get any deductions on that. But the only thing about the tax element is that there are times that you, you know, it's basically like, when am I going to pay the taxes on my money? Right. Am I paying it on the dollars that I used to pay the premiums? And if I did, then the benefit is usually tax free. Okay. But through, if there is a work policy, like your employer carries it on your behalf and you're not paying for it. Then the benefits are going to be taxable
0: aha uh-huh. so um i happen to work for, i work for google and they pay my disability insurance and then i am in an accident and i have to actually get that money i am taxed on that as income yep okay So just another thing to keep in mind when you're getting your supplemental insurance, that that will be the one that you don't pay taxes on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sarah, did you have any other questions for Casey about insurance?
1: So at the end of each episode, we ask our guest to come up with one thing that a woman on the verge of a financial breakthrough can do today to move herself along her financial independence path. So what's one thing that someone can do today in regards to insurance? Okay, so in regards to insurance,
2: umbrella policies. (laughs) (laughs) Umbrella policies.
0: So cheap, so cheap, guys, so cheap. It was very easy, too. I just went online and added it It put it in my cart, and it was Mm -hmm. done. I mean, the chances of you ever needing
2: it are so slim, but also like the protection, like Leonard Cohen Swartz is protecting me from the doorbell. <laughs> Thanks, I, think,
1: I think I'm going to do the umbrella policy today or maybe, maybe tomorrow. You haven't done but one? I don't have an umbrella policy. I have all of the other insurance that we talked about. Okay. I have all of, I have lots of life insurance, lots of all that stuff. Um, but I don't think I have the umbrella policy.
0: And that one's so easy, it'll really get you in the mood to go on to do the life one. It my it's project a is the gateway insurance. Yeah. Okay. It's a gateway I see that. insurance. My number one is finding my affinity groups that I qualify for and looking at the insurance offering because as a freelance person, like it didn't occur to me that that was I, I know it is in some things, but not in others. So that is my one thing this woman on the verge is going to do after this episode that's oh, awesome. I'm so
2: excited for you
1: <laughs> do you have any dumb questions about investing or finance ask us on our website womenontheverge.com if your partner is making you ask for money giving you an allowance or not letting you know about family income, this could be financial abuse. Learn more at thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-SAFE. This episode was edited by our co-producer, Kelly
0: West, and our music is by Bad Bad Hats and Devmo. I know the first thing you notice is that i covered in gold. The, the can turn a hot bitch cold. To get what you want in life, girl, you gotta be bold. No, I'm a
1: die rich, die and I this podcast contains general information that is not suitable for everyone. The information contained here should not be construed as personalized investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. There is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast will come to pass. Investing in the stock market involves gains and losses and may not be suitable for all investors. Information presented herein is subject to change without notice and should not be considered as a solicitation to buy or sell any security.